out of Austin, Texas. You're listening to the Unsanctioned Citizen Podcast. Here's your host, Sheila Dean. outside today and it is January 7th of 2023. I think this is the year that we done. I think we did one on New Year's, right before New Year's Day. That's right. I said Happy New Year's to everybody, but it wasn't quite New Year's because it wasn't. So Happy New Year. Um, we are going to talk about the HSIN grants today which got a big prop up in the Washington Post um, after they were confronted directly by their news corps about what is this, you know, what what is happening here because uh, DHS had, um, had a hub and the intelligence gathering submitted through that hub using grants uh, was used to control American speech by proxy. Uh, the State Department's intelligence agency that we knew very little about until they started censoring online uh, became And uh, we have a ton of content to get to today. So I just kind of want to whittle away some of the uh, stuff that is happening. Let me just get back in my app here. All right. So, um, I just needed to invite all the people, come on, this app. So we invited all the folks, and here we are. All right. Um, So, I just wanted to start by saying that David Sachs had a little bit of weigh-in on this this week. He said, Washington politicians learned that Twitter could be trained to quickly cooperate and seek control over its moderation process through a combination of threatened legislation and bad press. And he was quoting Matt Taibbi, in which he, I have a link here. If you go to the box that says the unsanctioned citizen and just push to the left, um, you'll see my article on Substack's Old Structural Devils, which we'll get to. A uh, uh, link there to Dr. Asim Alhotra, and his assertion in a two-page editorial about the dangers of taking the current vaccines. Um, and then this article on the belly button. So much about a belly button this week. Oh, my God. So who's with us? Hey, Brian's with us. Brian's a newbie. Um, he's started following me over from Substack. I presume he's a subscriber. And um, <clears throat> so... Before we get there, let's talk about the January 6th uh, events that were an anniversary yesterday. So January 6th is has become some sort of de facto, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think of it the way other people think of it. You know, it, it was something that happened. It was, it was bad behavior, uh, but it's not worth incarcerating people without access to a lawyer which has happened it's not okay to um, you know gin up political crimes and hold people for political incrimination that's not okay Uh, and and those things have happened in America since this you know 
on the face. You know, just because it's it's outside of the performance of, of say, typical due process or, or what we know due process to be. Um, so because I'm not, uh, I'm not really a lawyer, I wanted to get a few words in, wedged in there from Glenn Greenwald, who has been talking extensively with other investigative reporters about the, the January 6th issues. Um, I just wanted to give it like a little bit of time because I know we have a lot, a lot of ground to cover. Um, but hey, Gregor, glad to see you. Uh, if you if you don't mind hitting your invite uh, plus button, the man plus button at the bottom of the screen, get some more folks in here. I'd really love for them to to get the benefits uh, what's being said. Just uh, unmute and then unmute. Roughly six months, in some cases less than six months after and the defining chant of that summer protest movement was defund the police. Left wing groups like Antifa, but even less radical ones, would use an acronym ACAB, all cops are masters. The argument was the police force in the United States is inherently trained to uphold white supremacy, that the police are our enemies, we need to radically dismantle them. And then suddenly, six months later, we were all instructed to revere police officers, the ones who happened to work at the Capitol to the point in question anything they said. We were required to speak of them with reverence. The Democrats, um, with almost no Republican support, and over the opposition, three members of the squad, allocated $2 billion more in, in spending to the Capitol Police. So the whole narrative so quickly switched on a dime for ideological reasons. Um, I want to ask you about, uh, for me, two of the most extreme uh, events that have happened in the law enforcement process after January 6th that has alarmed me the most was, number one, an Obama-appointed judge who has regularly doled out punishments in excess of what DOJ or other prosecutors have Requested, which is always shocking when a judge gives a, a punishment in excess of what obviously quite zealous prosecutors are demanding. And for me, perhaps the most disturbing case was the four-year, four-year-plus sentence doled out to the person who had been known as the Q Shaman, who kind of became the symbol of the January 6th protesters, uh, Jacob Chansley, even though nobody accused him of using violence. So he was a nonviolent protester given... 41 months in prison simply to kind of make a point to hold him up as an example which is a complete abuse of the law enforcement uh, and, and criminal process what to you has been kind of the most extreme instances of abuse of power or excesses of the criminal law in all the reporting you've done so the judge you're referring to is uh, Tanya Chutkin. She is an Obama appointee. I think she is auditioning to get 
circuit. Um, maybe she will replace Katanji Brown-Jackson, who knows. So she has routinely, as you said, uh, doled out prison sentences exceeding what DOJ is recommending in their sentencing memos. Now, this again is for people pleading guilty to parading in the Capitol a petty offense, which the chief judge, Beryl Howell, said this court never even uh, ever addresses. So DOJ will come back and say, we want 30 days in jail, we want 45 days in jail, Chuck can comes back, rants and raves about the insurrection and how everyone almost died that day, and you know everyone was threatened, and you tried to overthrow democracy, because you walked in an open door where Capitol Police were standing, and you walked around for 10 minutes and you left. Nonetheless, Tanya Chutkin considers them insurrectionists, domestic terrorists, and she will issue prison sentences of 60 days, I believe 45 days was one, 60 days was another, a couple 60-day sentences. Um, so that's to send a message to make sure that another insurrection doesn't occur. And then, of course, you're referring to the case of Jacob Chansley, the man who also walked through, was chatting, it's on video, chatting with Capitol Police. Uh, he walked into the Senate. He was followed into the chambers of the police. He said a prayer. He did some goofy stuff. People took photos. He walked out. He turned himself into the FBI, was in prison starting January 10th of 2021, spent 317 days in solitary confinement. Another issue, Glenn, that we were talking about early, earlier about where the uh, criminal reform and prison reform uh, advocates have completely disappeared. 317 days. He has mental health issues. The judge was aware of it. Nonetheless, uh, allow the government to torment him into a plea deal. He begged for forgiveness. He's a veteran. He has no criminal history. Nonetheless, Judge Royce Lambert, a Reagan appointee who should have retired years ago, sentenced Jacob Chansley for 41 months in prison after he pleaded guilty to an obstruction charge. And he will He's in jail now and will be for the next three years. I guess I know the answer to this, but maybe there's a few instances that escape me that I don't know of, but I'm, so I'm just going to ask. Um, in the first war on terror, one of the most uh, prolific litigants and outspoken uh, protesters of the civil liberties abuses, once, as I said, things got safer in terms of public opinion, not at the beginning, but eventually was the ACLU. There were also a lot of liberal criminal advocacy groups and civil liberties groups objecting to multiple prongs of the war on terror, surveillance and detention and uh, excessive prosecution, uh, entrapment. Have any of these groups, the ACLU, any of the left-wing or liberal uh, criminal defense or criminal reform groups ever manifested the rights of these defendants or against what the government is doing in connection with surprised to hear my answer is no and in fact i was tweeting up the head of the aclu's prison project the other day after he tweeted something about the state department coming out against solitary confinement for prisoners in cuba so i said hey where have you been we've got you know dozens who have been in solitary confinement conditions political prisoners here not a word i will say glenn one of the unexpected allies in this whole mess has been a group called the press coalition 
This is a group of 16 major news organizations, um, CNN, The Washington Post, ABC News, uh, that group, and they are petitioning the court in several cases to unseal surveillance video that is under protective orders. You know, we've got 14,000 hours of surveillance video that was captured by security cameras that day. The government has uh, designated this highly sensitive government material. Every clip, including clips, are under strict protective orders. So the press coalition has come out in a couple of cases, asked the judge to remove um, the seal to those videos, and in several cases has been successful. And uh, it has helped undermine the narrative. In one clip, a 40-minute clip, it showed Capitol Police on the upper Senate side opening the double door, standing there for at least a half hour as 300-some-odd Americans walked into the building, chatting with the officers, didn't attack them. They were never warned the building was closed. And so that's just one example of the video that the DOJ and U.S. Capitol Police are trying to conceal, not just from the public, but also from the press, and even in some cases, defendants and their attorneys. So that has been one unexpected ally. So um, I should give them credit where credit yeah, is. That's good to hear. Uh, but I guess the ACLU's complete non-involvement um, five years ago even would have been surprising, and now it would be completely surprising if they manifested it all in a way that would alienate their overwhelmingly, if not exclusively, liberal donor base and, and audience. But that's just the reality in which we live. So. You know, a lot of the reporting I've done, Julie, most of the reporting I've done about post-January 6th civil liberties abuses have focused on the Congressional January 6th Committee, in part because, you know, one of the most formative historical events for me and as a civil libertarian, as, 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 a, as a civil rights lawyer, and then as a journalist, was the McCarthy era and the abuses and excesses of that. And it's extraordinary. Okay, that's where I'm going to stop it. We have a new McCarthy era. Uh, the Speaker McCarthy has been... Uh, Voted in, voted in after what 12, 15 rounds, and uh, it took this, you know, and that was a, an excellent place to just stop it. <clears throat> so, if you go to the the bar at the front of the uh, at the top here and, and just push to the left, um, there's an article here towards the back from the Intercept that it indicates the Republican Freedom Caucus pushes for new committee. To investigate the surveillance state. Oh, it's from the Intercept. Okay, Democrats fear the Committee on Weaponization of the Federal Government will become a partisan cudgel. Eh. It says in the proposed rules package for the 118th Congress, the Republican Party wants to create a subcommittee to investigate law enforcement and surveillance agencies. The pledge to form the new Committee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government is one of the options. The far-right Freedom Caucus is demanding from Representative Kevin McCarthy, a Republican from California, in exchange for supporting his bid to become Speaker of the House. Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia has cited it as a reason to support. Freedom Caucus members routinely rail against the FBI's investigations of Donald Trump and accept uh, the weaponization of the committee would give them power to investigate the purported abuses under the auspices of the Judiciary Committee. So the Freedom Caucus members said that they want to model the new bottle, new bottle, new body after the church committee that ran investigations into intelligence abuses in the mid-1970s, leading to significant reforms. 
Democratic members of the House were quick to condemn the comparison of the weaponization subcommittee with the legacy of Frank Church, an Idaho Democrat who led the intelligence reforms. Representative Rokana of California, who's a Democrat, lauded the original church committee, warned that the rebranded one could be a distraction from the passing bipartisan legislation to rein in the very agencies Republicans are probing. Why would a committee distract from legislation to rein in? You could still do both. You can walk into two gum guys. Says to compare these is a total misunderstanding of what the church committee did. This is what he said. This is what he said. Kind of told the intercept. He says the question is if we are going to focus on making sure the government is in engaged in surveillance, we should be engaged in passing the Internet Bill of Rights and engaged in passing legislation that will prevent that surveillance. I don't want a committee that will start casting political aspersions on law enforcement agencies. Well, I mean, you know, maybe he has a point. Maybe he has a point, but it's still it still happened. They got their committee. Um, I just wanted to show you. I'm gonna pull up this uh, thing here. Uh, Daily Caller published it because Thomas Massey is on that committee, and he is basically a libertarian. Daily Caller, Thomas Massey. My tab disappeared. Sorry. Okay. So he announced on Tucker Carlson last night that he was going to be ahead of that committee. So um, this weaponization committee, Representative Massey confirms seat on church committee, quote unquote church committee, um, vows to reveal any illegal or unconstitutional government and I think Thomas Massey is reliable as hell uh, because he's always been that guy from Kentucky who could who could stand withstand a blowback from his colleagues for doing something unpopular. He did it once before. He corked a vote and filibustered, you know, as one guy. And man, they throw through all kinds of pitch and hellfire at him, but he weathered it and he's still around. He still got reelected. He's still on committees. So he's a survivor. So the Republican representative Thomas Massey of Kentucky told Fox News host Tucker Carlson Friday that Representative Kevin McCarthy would appoint him to sit on a church committee charged with investigating potential federal government abuses and vowed to bring forward any illegal or unconstitutional findings. A lot of this is going to play out in the SCIF, Secure Compartmented Information Facility, Massey told Carlson, sorry. You are going to have to trust that the people that are put on this committee, and I'll tell you what, if there's something fishy going on, I'll come out of the skiff and tell you, but a lot of it will be behind closed doors, and it will be classified information. If we find anything illegal or unconstitutional, we will bring it forward. Forward, sorry. Related, Tucker Carlson reveals two things McCarthy should do to win the gavel. But, uh, and one is spend less money. All right, so we covered that, and we covered, we did cover David Sachs. You know, what he had to say is politicians learned that Twitter could be trained to cooperate and seek control over its mod processes through a combination of threatened legislation and bad press. And that was a direct quote from one Matt Taibbi 
and that belly button. Now we're going to talk about that belly button. We're going to do it. So, um, so much to do about a single belly button. So I'm going to hand this over back to uh, TK News by Matt Taibbi. It's a five-minute segment. I hope you'll be patient and uh, listen to this because it's very important. Twitter files. Twitter and the FBI belly button. Twitter tried to balk at cooperating with government agencies deemed political. In the end, it allowed everyone access through the FBI belly button. In the first week of May 2020, at the peak of COVID-19 panic, Twitter senior legal executive Stacia Cardill received a communication from the Global Engagement Center, GEC, the would-be operational analytical arm of the U.S. State Department. Founded in the Obama years under Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, the GEC was like the State Department's wannabe version of the NSA or the Defense Intelligence Agency. Appended to an attachment with a long list of names was a note from the GEC. Remember, these were the Trump years, that read, in part, We are providing these 5,500 accounts that display inorganic behavior and follow two or more of the 36 Chinese diplomatic Twitter accounts that we have identified in the report. Due to the fact that these accounts follow two or more of these diplomatic accounts, and a good portion of them are newly created, we believe that they are suspicious. The list of accounts that display inorganic behavior was part of what another Twitter legal executive described as an effort by Mike Pompeo's State Department to put a full-court press in the media to hold China accountable for spreading misinformation about the COVID crisis. Just a day before, on Wednesday, May 6th, the Associated Press broke news of a four-page report by the Department of Homeland Security claiming Chinese leaders intentionally concealed the severity of the COVID-19 outbreak. Now the State Department, by way of GEC, was getting in on the action. Within a day of receiving the GEC list, Twitter executives were in a lather. A high-speed examination of the accounts revealed what company executives euphemistically called concerns. Cardill, Trust and Safety Chief Yoel Roth, and others immediately drafted a response to the GEC. Thank you for sharing information. We have begun reviewing the list of 6,000 accounts that GEC provided this morning and have serious concerns. In our initial review, we have already identified numerous accounts belonging to government entities in the Americas, including Canada, NGO and human rights organizations, and journalists. The drama that subsequently broke out between Twitter and the State Department would prove revealing both about the nature of the public-private content moderation bureaucracy and about the internal culture at Twitter, which that year would end up rolling over in a big way for outside moderation demands, again, despite an initial show of resistance. We're all on that list. Twitter executives seemed particularly put out by the idea that the GEC was taking someone else's intelligence, then using the press to squeeze its way into an exclusive moderation club. The DHS circulated a report on Chinese disinformation just a few days before the GEC reached out to Twitter. By then, the company was no longer shy about working with Congress, the FBI, DHS, and the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, ODNI. However, they were not anxious to work with the GEC, which they seemed to perceive as a weak sister of the intelligence community, and also political, as Roth put it, which in Twitterese was code for pro-Trump. 
The company reportedly had similar issues with some Pentagon agencies beginning in 2017. One former defense intelligence source suggested Twitter preferred the FBI because it was less Trumpy. How Trumpy or not the GEC was is hard to say, but it's clear Twitter executives were opposed to letting the fledgling state agency lay hands on its magic moderation machine, preferring to keep the circle of trust quite small, as Roth put it. Obviously, state is a significant voice, and one we don't want to neglect, wrote Roth on May 6, 2020. But I do want us to continue to maintain and between the highly trusted, valued relationships we've built over years with entities with considerable expertise and authority, and other parts of USG that may engage on these questions from time to time, sometimes in more political ways than others. Cardell argued shutting the agency out entirely was a bad idea, preferring to build goodwill, but agreed the GEC was amateurish and bad news. They cannot be trusted, particularly if they can score political points, she said. A cursory internal review of the company revealed the State Department list included accounts belonging to the Canadian military, Western NGOs, and journalists, including a CNN account. State's methodology was incredibly broad, including accounts that followed two or more Chinese diplomats. We're all on that list, joked one Twitter staffer. Roth internally even circulated a Bellingcat tweet making fun of the GEC's conclusions. Oh yeah, the disinformation that U.S. sanctions are contributing to the death of Iranians during the pandemic, sneered Ari Kohler. Thanks for listening to the free version of this article. To hear the full version, and for more articles and content, please subscribe at taibi.substack.com. Nothing wrong with a little attribution there. Um, I just wanted to flesh that all the way out. So I'm going to hit my own Substack blog that was included in the list of sources up there. So there is this hub that they talk about, this belly button <clears throat> threaded through the FBI, but the structure is largely driven by DHS and DHS's fusion centers, which is pre-existing infrastructure that has been wedged regime aimed that it was this just absolute spray. It's another prism, if you will. I mean, if I wanted to encapsulate it as the level of type of exposure and crisis to public. It is like prism because the internet companies, it's like they never stopped. But for sure, what we learned is this is that the, the one the Senate committee knew about it the Senate Intelligence Committee knew about it funded it and uh, it's no longer enough to have a yawning intelligence complex to include DNI contractors from any number of paramilitary consensuses intelligence inside gathering agencies political opposition research firms and data brokerages like Palantir they had to have social media. And so this this uh, tweet from Matt Taibbi, state, NSA, and CIA, Chan reassured him it would be a one-way channel and state GEC, now, now everybody knows what GEC is because it was a State Department intelligence agency, which, you know, in and of itself, I just need to tell you, the State Department has access or should have access to 
the intelligence or actionable intelligence of, of like 70 or more foreign intelligence services plus the FBI if they need it. Why do they need their own internal? Because they don't share and they, they play hidey hole. So they just developed their own internal intelligence agency and all they did was use it to threaten the press. That's really all they did. So um, state GEC, NSA, and CIA have expressed interest in being allowed in listen mode only. And see here, let's see here. How many U.S. government participants will be allowed onto the channel? Will it be people that the industry already knows? I ask because the FBISF command center, there will be three other supervisors working shifts when I'm not there. I also know uh, the different FITF personnel will be rotating through the command posts at F FBIHQ, which is Facebook. So Facebook was featured in here. So we're going to have to talk about this infrastructure. Where the hell did they get this infrastructure? And where did they get the referrals for all of these, you know, thousands of accounts? Well, it turns out there's a grant program that came out through COVID and in this grant program was a see something say something for misinformation disinformation and you know I've been reporting for weeks on this CISA guide it's just laying straight out there nobody can say it's hidden from the public but just nobody notices it we're gonna pretend it's not there I won't but I will tell you that public information about the fusion centers and about these centralized database aggregates has been turned way down because DHS has been pilling out money to people to source okay and they come in the form of these HSIN grants okay and who were the recipients well people who knew enough to apply I just want you to know that your tax dollars went to spy on you by NGOs and the NGOs are Woodrow Wilson International Center for Scholars University of Rhode Island Syracuse University SI Newhouse School of Public Communication Nonprofits International Center for Religion and Diplomacy CRD probably a subsidiary of the GEC. The Carter Center, a non-governmental nonprofit founded former President Jimmy Carter $99,372 out of Georgia, I'm sure, for media literacy and online critical thinking initiatives. As part of these initiatives, the Carter Center will partner with Syracuse University, who is really dead last, totally neoliberal, totally surveil everybody, unbelievable, take your stuff type of university um, through this partnership the Carter Center intends to roll out its curriculum models in this multiple classroom setting and target a wide population age 18 to 60 the description for this grant claims that media literacy trainings uh, build capacities in recognizing false and misleading information okay Lewis University was given $157,707 for media literacy and online critical thinking initiatives. Okay, so this is an inversion of critical thinking. 
They called critical thinking. What this was, was here is our syllabus for propaganda and how to report to DHS for wrong think. We paid for this. All right, DHS awarded these misinformation, disinformation grants alongside other $699,763 to Middlebury Institute Center on Terrorism, Extremism, and Counterterrorism, which was given to study extremism in gaming and gaming. In addition to awarding grants, DHS recently claimed that radicalized Americans who believe in false narratives, wrong think, and pushed for the continuance of its disinformation work. So they pilled out hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. I, I'm trying to see if they've got anyone in Texas that they awarded. But this is the work of uh, Reclaim the Net and an article by Tom Parker. So in total, it was $3 million of taxpayer money handed to universities, think tanks, and nonprofits using the money to fund projects that fight what they deem or what the DHS deems as misinformation, disinformation. And basically, we covered that too. Satire was listed as misinformation, disinformation, being against a vaccine, according to the CDC, which now has, has proven people. It will kill people. Okay, Asim Malhotra has run a two-page public service ad on the dangers of myocarditis to athletes this week. It's coming out in the water. Healthy, strong people took a bad vaccine, bad medicine, and are dying. Okay, we cannot mess around with this anymore. If Americans are dying because Pfizer wanted to push bad medicine, which, you know, has happened before, they don't care. Maybe we shouldn't do business with Pfizer. Just a thought. Maybe the government should never do business with Pfizer ever again because they've had to be, be called on the mat for addicting millions of Americans and leading them into a path of disintegration and death. And then this. I'm going to put this genetic uh, medicine in your veins and hope it goes well because it's experimental. But we're not allowed to say that. So for at least 11 months now, it's been heresy, absolute government heresy, to say anything other than take your vaccine. Okay, it got Fauci fired. And Fauci was saying, take the vaccine! And was just clawing his way out, and they were throwing him out. Take your papers, get out! So, um, all right, so I, I'm at the end of my my. Hi, Reed. I just needed to explain that to you. There are fusion centers that they used. And if you don't know what the fusion centers are, um, there's a Homeland Security Grant Program guidance and allowable uses. I just want to explain this or unpack this. Information sharing and operational coordination enhancement. Information sharing and operational coordination enhancement refers to participation and activity activities sponsored by DHS, the HSIN program, and one or more HSIN communities for the purpose of developing and or expanding procedures, protocols, and or standards that promote information exchange, 
knowledge management, situational awareness, and mission-oriented collaboration within and or between communities of the users. This funding also includes efforts to integrate HSI into fusion center operations. Okay, and these were the SARS reporting hubs. Your neighbor, say you were the crazy lady looking out the window with, with a problem to drink that day. I was like, I think my neighbor's a terrorist because they wore something over their head. Okay, called it into the suspicious activity reporting line. Turns out your neighbor was trying to cover her rollers. She was wearing a bandana, and it was in color, and so-and-so was drunk. So, suspicious activity report. I don't like the way you were driving. It's, it's ironic that this is the McCarthyism, because we re-elected Speaker McCarthy. It's just, there's an irony in there. I don't know if anybody's ever said anything, but there it is. Anyways, that's a suspicious activity report. Now, those are the types of things that would go into into the, the, the fusion centers, okay? And that would later become actionable intelligence. That would be the GEC, the FBI, and then they would they would go in there and, and, and daily twist Yoel Ross nether region and say okay take down these accounts they said stuff we don't like Syracuse University said so Ugh! take down their accounts and of course poor old Yoel Roth was like well I'll just do it because he's weak and Twitter was weak but the government should never ever have approached him and that is not being said so I'll just say it right here the government shouldn't be approaching social media and telling them to silence Americans. I'll just say it plainly. This is not okay. Now I will take your calls. Would anybody like to come up here and say something? Hello? Anybody? Okay, I'm going to go to the comments. It says, uh, so Brian8534 says, uh, Laugh out loud that crossed my mind as well about McCarthy being elected, the new McCarthyism. Um, they're liability-free. Pfizer are co-owners of the government. Well, they're, they're certainly business partners. Um, P.S. Ask Sanj how free the press is. Now, we did cover that solitary confinement was being uh, addressed um, by the ACLU. And... Assange is now back on the on the daylight side of the press and being thrown into a closet locker without a key and without any further notice by humanity is not okay in the United States. It's never been okay, but I, I want to continue to read your statement. It says they're circumventing constitutional protections under the pretext of the war powers. Clayton Morris of Redacted covered how the vaccines were pushed under or pushed out under an executive authority. They don't have to be honest with us. Well, I mean, people people will be honest when they're honest, and they're dishonest when they're dishonest. I always say, this person be lying when they're lying, and that makes him a liar. Uh, 
So they just claim national security have blanket power to do so, do whatever they want. Well, no, they don't. And so that needs to be challenged. This this overarching kind of learned helplessness, you know, this floppy spine, no will, uh, we're just going to let it happen ethic that has taken us zero, zero, zero to nowhere and dragged, dragged us further down to the bottom of the world. Um, you have to spine up. You have to... You have to find your courage and you have to say, no, there was a standard. We built this country on that standard. We said no to surveillance. We said no to generalized warrants. We, this isn't us. This isn't the way we were raised, okay? I even was raised in a clandestine household. Then I still have these values. And I still have these values because they are true. This is what I have. This is what I'm entitled to. So... There's Brian. Come on, Gregor. Had your coffee this morning, huh? You're, you're robotic for, for a moment. Had your coffee this morning, Speak huh? Up. I'm trying. Yes, sir. I, I, I couldn't wait. I was chomping at the bit. I started early. Yeah. Well, you know, and I'm all, I'm all with you on this. What are infringements that we're having? I hope I cleared up some. I... Oh yeah, don't much sound better. Bad much at all better. from my point of view, but I'm also not. Okay. Turn, turn up. Um, the you know, but it, the, 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 okay. I can do that. How's that? Is that any better? That is much better. Thank you. Is that any better? Much better. Okay. Now I'm going yeah. to blow out yeah. my ears. Yes. Proceed. Okay. Proceed. So, yeah, the First Amendment, and, you know, this is one of these things that so many people have been fighting for literally years, and all of a sudden now it's starting to come to, you know, things are starting to happen. Um, that is the, those six people that messed up McCarthy's rise to power or at least slowed it down a little bit, um, <laughs> you know, that was part of it was their, more like 20 some at of first. their issues. Well, yeah, no, I, and I actually paid a lot of attention to it, especially the last two days. I literally watched hours and hours of the voting, and it was entertaining to some extent. I know, extent. it's insane. I have um, never, I have but, never paid, uh, you know, never been hung on to, to a speaker process like that. And I think most people were distracted by it. Well, the fun thing was there was actually people in the House for the first time in, like, two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and that was actually, in my opinion, nice to see. But... Um, I really am hopeful that these rabble rousers they're calling the Freedom Caucus, God bless them all, and protect them, um, you know, will ha have managed to gain enough influence that something, even no matter how slight, and it won't be enough, I'll guarantee it won't be enough, but no matter how slight, we can at least start the process of tearing this whole system that has been built since, what, 2000, 2001 down in order to, you know, bring back some semblance of what America is supposed to be. Because I'm a firm believer that we have, you know, we lost everything on 9-11. We gave it up. Oh, it didn't have to be that way. It didn't have to yeah, be Yeah, no, it didn't. Way. It didn't. And, uh, you know, there was, a, there was some people um, screaming then, and everyone shush shushed them and swept, swept them under the rug. And now we're finding out that everything they said was going to happen has come true. 
and 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 it's just is what is frightening to me the number of things um that we're missing because people just don't understand that it with the government in charge and with the amount of secrecy they don't have to bring it Mm -hmm. forward um there was a well let me let me ask you this let me ask you this what do you think about these closed door meetings with the intelligence? I don't think community? Congress should have closed doors meetings. Period. Okay. Why like do you that, think? To that? Me, well, because secrecy is what secrecy enables, and light disinfects. And if we, you know, and yes, I understand that there has to be some point where we there's some things. I understand there's probably some things that need to be kept secret, but chances are anything that needs to be kept secret is probably something that shouldn't be going on. So I really, you know, I'd really like to see the whole skiff concept of the skiff that they use to have these secret meetings completely destroyed and, you know, have, uh, you know, have the, have the hearings open, have the evidence presented so that, the, you know, so that people can report on it. Because when you have secret things, the press can't report on it. When the press can't report on it, they're beholden to the people who are in those rooms to feed them information. And therefore we have the situation we have now where the press and the government are sitting in each other's well, pockets. Well, playing. Julian Assange would have never had to do what he did without if question. there hadn't been the evolution. Of, yeah, without the skiff. And, so and, the, and, the reason, and the reason he had to be in Britain in was Belmarsh. so they could put him in solitary Yeah, to, you know, to, to put him in Belmarsh was so they could... For their crimes. Him. For their crimes. Yeah, but I mean, they had to put him there yeah. for... Because they couldn't hold him here because he would have access here. It would be really hard to hold him Access for that long what? in solitary Justice? without a trial. Pardon? Okay. So it's more rendition. It's rendition. Let's just yeah. say what it is. It's rendition. That's what it is. And, you know, and I, I concur. This Guantanamo. It's been said well, that, yeah, that, that Belmarsh is Britain's Guantanamo. Yeah. I'm glad we had this conversation. Yeah, well, so, I will let Brian um, come in, so. <laughs> I mean, you're welcome to come to the speaker column if you if you like. I'll put you up there. Oh, I got, so I got time, so if you want to. Sure. Let's, let's bring you up okay. to the speaker column and uh, invite you to speak, Where's and then we're going to try the new ready? voice of uh, Brian Lafleur. I'm going to make him the next caller. Step on up, Mr. Brian Okay, going once. You have to hit the unmute your yeah, mic button. There we go. Yeah, I'm I'm new to this app. Sorry. So uh, about what you were saying, I mean, saying that they should be challenged is one thing, but effectively challenge them is another. I mean, sure, there are upstart, you know, and a lot of the rise of independent journalism. I was a part of that, but I've been doing this. Well, who did you write for, Brian? The Pontiac Tribune. They're affiliated with the Fifth Column Press and ProPublica. Okay. I mean, are you are you writing with anybody now? No, I I I just If you read my Substack, I published I couldn't go to sleep one night and I just published the first draft and it kind of explained why I don't write anymore, but I just, you know, I was just bored, but I don't feel like it's a, an effective form. Uh, it doesn't do anything. I mean, people have been writing. I mean, you can go all the way back, even activism. You go all the way back to the Rainbow Coalition and 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 and, and uh, Cointel Pro 
and see that these movements don't really affect anything. There's there's not going to be any peaceful way to redress these grievances because they don't give a shit. I mean, they just don't. And 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 the people who have the power to change are the ones who are pushing for it. So it's. A I mean, I, I've heard that perspective repeatedly on this program from from various guests, but I did want to ask you because you're you're here. Yeah, and, and and that's just the reality of it. I mean, it's if 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 there's going to be a challenge to power, it's going to have to come from some internal strife within their little cabal. That's where it's going to have to come from. Well, so far, I mean, we're trying something that we haven't seen happen yet, which we we said we'll deny you process of power unless you conform to our demands that one we shall cork spending. And then what happens? And then someone rolls. Church committee. I guess we're going to have to wait and see. This is a brand new 118th. If we we can just see how it goes. Yeah, I mean, we're going to have to see. We'll see. I mean, if something change happens, great. I'm for it. You know, I'm not going to. And I and I don't want. I don't want what I'm saying to be construed as me telling to 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 trying to stifle it. I'm just trying to have people have realistic expectations and and the framing that I hear a lot and from a lot of people. It just seems to be missing the mark to me, you know, and and that's my only issue. Well, I mean, they've managed to figure out a way to, to finance these agencies using grants to, to do things that are explicitly unconstitutional. Well, explicitly I mean, unconstitutional. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and it's, they're not even hiding it anymore. I mean, I mean, the Constitution is 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 just kind of in tatters at this point. And, well, uh, I mean, it's just been suppressed, just like the American Voice, like like your right. your citizen journalist voice, and and of mm-hmm. course mine as well. You know, I I came back to to Texas so that I could kind of reconvene that part of myself, the public speaking part of myself, and it's been rehab for almost eleven months. Like in February, it'll have been a year that I've been back here in Texas, it took a long time. It took a really long time for me to even start writing again. That's how bad it was because I was parked in uh, the Pacific Northwest where there was collusion with the Chinese government and nobody (laughs) wanted to talk about it. Yeah. Nobody wanted to talk about this, this silent partnership that they had with the CCP. And it's, it's like the first thing I did. I talked about it for months. And, of course, people were like, meh, 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 you can't say that. I'm not going to listen to you. And they put their fingers in their ears, and they stopped coming by. And I still read an entire book about the types of things that went on and do go on in Washington State. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's, it's, it's to me, it's an exercise in futility. I still listen, you know, and I say that, and I, and I still, to some limited degree, engage in it. But, uh, I mean, I, at this point, man, I, I'm more of a spectator and a commentator than anyone who's actively on the front lines. But you know, hats off to you guys that are, and you know, my heart's with you and all. I, I just, I'm just kind of jaded at this point, I guess. Well, I mean, well isn't that? Uh, you know, I think you're exercising your voice, which you know is progress. Honestly. <laughs> well, thanks. Uh, I'm always looking to improve. <laughs> and I, you know, and, and Brian, I'm, I'm, you know, with you on this, that just the start of exercising voices is, is a good start. But I also, part of me is always frustrated at the amount of the lack of responsibility that 
we show individually for putting these people into power. Um, and that's one of the things that, you know, I, it's fun to rage against the machine, but the machine was built by our hands. Well, I see, I have no faith in the definitely finance against our will. Oh, yeah. for sure. I have no faith in the, in the integrity of our electoral system. I don't engage in electoralism at all. I don't, I, I only pay attention to the legislation they passed as it may impact me. But as far as most of the theater and the candidates and the personalities and the cults of personality, I have no interest in most of that. Well, and I don't disagree with you, and I and I and I would conclude as well, based on what we are seeing, that most of our election system is in tatters, um, yeah. and absolutely that is part of the problem. <laughs> but also, there is nobody standing up and saying we need to change this election electoral system. Well, you know, there change, were even the method of voting seems to be. I mean, here in Oregon, we have nothing but mail-in ballots, and everyone's shocked when I say that there's no way that the you know there's no way that we can track these votes and they say of course you can track it i put it in the mailbox well right. there again every every election we find thousands of ballots that just never showed up because some mail clerk somewhere threw them away tossed them in a river i mean they just found 1100 ballots in california that were lost by the u.s postal service not even some operative mm -hmm. they were just displaced Right. I mean, so, you know, so mail-in is, is, is every, t every time you turn around, mail-in is not the answer. Um, yeah, I'm going to concur with that. Responsibility. I, I'm going to concur with that, that mail-in ballots yeah. are, are definitely, um, that was a way to suppress uh, active voting at the polls, which was done. Um, this time I went and I did two, two forms. There was a paper ballot and there was also an electronic ballot filed here in, I mean, you in Austin, Texas. I tried it. Um, so I'm just getting my sea legs underneath me, but other other counties here in Texas mm -hmm. have uh, secure paper balloting. But Why not Austin use the blockchain? Seems to be a tech, blockchain a tech technology. Uh, yeah, blockchain. That, that would be the best way to, to, to make sure that everything's legit. And for that, I don't agree. Well, I, don't I mean, disagree. that was certainly encrypted. Huh? Well, I'm no well, and 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 I and I would completely agree. But I and I know one of the things when I've talked about that, people say, well, that make, means if I put a blockchain on my vote, that means they know how I voted. And my question is, who cares? Yeah, transparency is better. <laughs> it's I mean, that's, public that's information. But also that with that blockchain, you could know personally. You could be, you would be able to. You'd set up the blockchain on whatever device you want to vote for them, and then you'd cast your vote, and you would know your vote was cast and counted. Yeah. Um, and, see, that's too secure, so we can't have that. That's exactly. why we need to have exactly. mail-in ballots that are anonymous. I, I, you know, I take pictures of my ballots before I send them in, and you can, but then you have to search through all the images to find your ballot to make sure mm -hmm. it was counted. You know, yes, I, I get the notification it was received, but I never know if it was counted, and I never know if it was counted correctly. And these things, to me, are something. So, election, if you had a contest or, or a hackle about how how or whether your ballot was cast or counted, um, you could be misappropriated as an election denialist. Which everybody finds so attractive, right? Yeah, you're yeah, an you're election denialist. To do that. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, and, and the thing is, is that the the people who were in charge of trolling these accounts are leftist wackos. 
Woodrow Wilson International Center for Scholars, Syracuse University Newhouse School of Public Communication. I can't think of any other university yeah. more in line with neoliberal values than Syracuse yeah. U. Yeah, shit lives all over it. Unbelievable. I want my money back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they got $592,598 of your money. Woodrow Wilson got 750000 for raising societal awareness and civic engagement. Media, civic engagement, outreach, knocking on doors, stop disinformation, report this. Yeah. You know, and I played the video last week, remember, Gregor, about how to report your uncle? University yeah, of Rhode Island, $701,000. Unbelievable. They shut now. This is despite shutting down the disinformation governance board for First Amendment violations concerned. My was sitting up there while they were doing this. Yoel Roth was parsing communication from the GEC, the CIA, the FBI, the DHS, all of them, while he was sitting in front of the committees getting roasted for Nina Jankowitz. That's what happened. Does anybody else want to say something? Or did I just run everybody out of here? <laughs> Hello? We're still Oh, alive. please tell me this isn't a segment. No, we did hear you. Um, and, oh, I, you okay. know, I, I, I don't know how to one-up that. See, that's my problem. I can't, I can't beat what you said <laughs> and in any way because they're absolutely right. I mean, when, you, when, you, when, the, when, the, when the federal the federal administration let's not even call it the government um you know can can do things that involve that free that that amount of freedom of speech inhibitance it's just it, it's frightening to me and and, and it, they did not the have the consent of the government to do this they didn't well they don't have they to they just have to have the right administration to do it thank you woodrow wilson i mean you're absolutely right he's you know he's the one that well, he's not the one that started, but he, he took advantage of the entire executive branch where they could put, you know, lifelong appoint these people to do things and they don't seem to be accountable to anyone. Now, our current Supreme Court seems to be working at chipping away some of that. They just had some cases where all of a sudden the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms is finding out they can't do what they've been doing for years because it's unconstitutional, which is a good step. Um, and, you know... I don't want to promote an, a violent overthrow of our government, but I do want to promote a lot of voters becoming informed and voting rationally versus what has been going on. So this is all couched under what they call Homeland Security Enterprise. I just want you to know there's a tab <laughs> under CISA. Homeland Security Enterprise. The business side of Homeland Security facing the public. You see, that, that, how many ways is that alone just the name wrong? I mean, Homeland Security shouldn't be a business. It's not supposed to be no. interacting with businesses directly. No. Um, so many problems. You know, 
And, you know, so pick, pick an agency and we'll show you somebody who's violating their oath of office. It's, it's kind of, that's the way things are working right now. And nobody is holding them to account quite the opposite. They're promoting them and paying them and making them stronger. So they have this how to join, what is, 2020 annual report. Maybe I'll do something on that next week. Intelligence. Okay, let's, let's hit the intelligence tab, see what it says. There's a DHS Intel app. So if you're a pro-squealer, pro people who are really true believers can go to get the DS, DHS Intel app. And it listed the DHS state, local, territorial, and tribal partners. So, this literally shows this how, how little imagination George Orwell actually had. Because they well, managed I mean, to can, surpass uh, what he wanted. You know, what, what, not what he wanted, but what he was demonstrating. They, we, so, we have so surpassed what he was demonstrating, it is frightening. Well, I mean, they didn't have the internet. <laughs> this is just everything's roided up. Um, so they have an app. So let's go back there. It's like law enforcement. Let's see how the popo is going to... Sharing information. Geospatial services. Comprehensive training. HSIN communities. Subject matter expert services. SMEs. Instant messaging. Let's see here. Comprehensive training. Operational support, web conferencing, Alerts web conferencing, yeah, web conferencing. What do you think Yoel Ross Weekly was in the Homeland Security Enterprise Information Sharing Environment? I'm yeah, sure they got money. They must have gotten money to rat us out. Yep. Good God. It was DHS. It was DHS. It was DHS. And then all the rest of them just said, "Here, give me what's on the tree. Here's the fruit from that from this poisonous tree." <laughs> Unbelievable. Okay, I, I think I'm done here, guys. It's uh, it's one oh one, an hour in a minute. Gregor, I'll give you the last. What do you want to say? I want to say I would encourage everyone to vote with for people with integrity to do your best to if you can't find someone with integrity look in the mirror because and and do something local get on your county boards get on your city boards do everything you can to make your community as strong as possible and from there we can work our way up it's slow yes and it's better than a civil war which i don't want to see yeah oh hey sick for truth Hey, last word from Sick for Truth. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull him into the speaker column because he just decided to pop in. You're late, see. <laughs> We're wrapping it up. Indy. Just hit the uh, invite to speaker except okay. <laughs> do do you have a, a promo for us, Mr Mr. Indy? Sorry, I've not actually been listening in. <laughs> I'm terribly sorry about that. Um, I got your message, uh, well, request, a little while back, but I was on a actually um, a really interesting Twitter space with uh, Mike um, 
Ryan Christensen, well, Ryan Christian from uh, the last Vega, uh, last American yeah. Vega band. Uh, and I was on a Twitter space. Sorry, I was predisposed. So I got your request and, uh, yeah, I just uh, sort of joined straight after that. But what, what, what's the question? What are you guys, um, discussing today? Well, we, what we did this week is we, we covered the HSIN grants. And, and we unpacked it more thoroughly. Uh, there were literally hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars to neoliberal universities, which I'm sure they, they right. staffed, you know, and they educated young people on how to, to censor and look for censorious information. They had classes and instructional uh, classes on how to, to look for people. And then they, I'm no doubt, because it was a grant, they got these people to just kind of do it for free. They, I won't say they radicalized them, but the DHS had an app. So let's say they're on Twitter, you know, they're at Syracuse University or the Woodrow Wilson, you know, Press Institute. And, you know, these are hardcore, neoliberal, everybody's a criminal until they, you know, prove themselves otherwise. Everybody's a terrorist. And, you know, all they would have to do is like, oh, well, I know what that is. And then they just say, okay, oppose the vaccine for uh, medical reasons. Click. And then it went straight into the fusion center. And then what? that became actionable intelligence by the State Department, who then went to Twitter and choked him and said, hey, hey, take that account down. We have 250,000 of these people who have questions. So, so this that's is, how it happened. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, I'm not too... That's how yeah. it happened. Yeah. It, well, you put a really good post out the other day, didn't you, about the, the Twitter files around uh, mm-hmm. around this subject. Um, yes. You know, sort of DHS and leaks and obviously, you know, uh, gauging public opinion and censoring. It, 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 it's, it, it was all going on and it's probably still going on. <laughs> people have not realized that it's it's still you know actually happening um even with the release of all these twitter files and nothing's actually being done about any of it um but yeah you, you well we just got a 118th right congress i'm sorry to butt in but you know we just got a 118th congress with a mccarthy no less um and he's going to have to sponsor a new church committee mm-hmm. which is uh Essentially, it's not really going to be called. It's it's weaponization of government. Okay, bye, Brian. Right, we're at the tail end of this. Sick. I want you to be able to to come in. Let's let's organize together during the week. Get you a proper speaking slot, and and you can show up and, and tell us the truth. <laughs> so, sound no good? problem. Thanks. Yeah, that sounds. That sounds <laughs> Thank you for dropping in. No problem. Uh, you know, I just didn't want you to, to be there all alone. So you know, I thought I'd. Uh... No, no, no. We, we love you. We want you here. You know, you're my editor. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. All right. We're gonna see, okay. we'll, we'll see you next week. Okay. Thanks for listening. Before you go, hit the subscribe button. Remember that callers are welcome. Subscribers can access unsanctioned citizen podcast archives at Substack, Automatic, iHeartRadio podcasts, and call in. Please stay in touch. We want to hear from you. Visit SheilaMDean.com.